0: Uh, This is Luke Mallow, I'm on John Littlefair's podcast, Never Just a Dog.
1: Great to have you here.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. It's a huge honour, actually. I feel a little bit special being a local Perth boy.
1: Let's go back. Let's go to your early life. When did you discover your love for dogs?
0: Well, I grew up in the Pilbara from, well, where I could remember from anyway. I was born in Perth, but family were built around miners. We moved to the Pilbara, obviously, for that reason. Um, and obviously, like a, a lot of the time when you see or meet other families up there, everyone seems to have a dog, kind of like that third, fourth, or fifth child that just hangs on. (laughs) I remember my first dog, whose name was China. He's a bull mastiff. I I fondly remember him. He was just such a gentle giant. I would have been about two, I think. But, yeah, the love of the dog. It's always just been that extra family member, you know? That's that's what it always came down to. Just, uh, and, you know, if one... If we didn't have that dog anymore, it was always another one. In, in, not in a horrible sense, in a way that we couldn't live without a, a companion. Because the oldest of five children. I seemed to have bonded really well with um, our pets that we'd had, you know, and, and the ones that I fondly remember are the ones from my earlier years as well.
1: How did Myla come into your life?
0: I found out about Myla through my sister, who actually, her partner's um, old man actually had a litter of, of pups. I went around there one day just to go and have a look at them with my mother and two sisters and my brother. Literally just wanted to see a puppy. <laughs> hadn't seen one for a while. Thought this would be pretty cool, go around there. I was just visiting for the weekend. I started talking to the guy and I was like, so how many are there? And and there were 11 of these little it's hard to even know what type of dog they were. They were they were bitsers, but um, the mother was a an American Staffy, and from what he reckons, it's, it was either a, a a Labrador or a Labrador cross Staff Staffy Mastiff. Or you know, this guy didn't have a clue what what this dog was, but she was the run of Lilla litter out of eleven, and I. My first picture of her was watching puppies try and get milk from the mother. Basically, she couldn't get in, couldn't get in for a feed. And I just asked questions. I was like, what's, what's the go with this one down here? You know, is there anything different about her? He said, nah, nah, she's just smaller than the rest of them. But, um, we just feed her mints. I was like, mints? How old are they? seven weeks old. Eating mints, and I was like, "Ah, oh, that's yeah." No, I'm going to take that one. It was a decision that I made without consulting my partner of the t- at the time, and I just had to make that decision based on a feeling that I had in my heart that that what he was doing with with Myla at the time wasn't wasn't appropriate. It wasn't fair. Um, you know, these other bigger dogs were going to get snapped up before anyway, and I thought, you know, I'll give him a hundred bucks keep him happy and stop asking questions and um she was a gorgeous dog. Absolutely gorgeous dog, so
1: Sometimes it's the runt of litter yeah. that we're drawn to, isn't it?
0: It absolutely is, yeah. I I'm a bit of a softie when it comes to um that that side of it's just sort of if if I remember back on it correctly, it was sort of surreal. Um I couldn't take her home straight away. I had to wait a couple of weeks but I did want to take her, take her right there and then, you know, and, and that was, um, yeah, it was, it was an emotional day for me because obviously I hadn't had my own dog ever in my whole life. She did fill a little bit of a hole in my life, something that I needed at the time, and, um, yeah, little right. Run- tiny little thing absolutely tiny little thing just in the palm of your hand and it's kind of like that first child that you have you know (laughs) it's a a similar feeling um I'm a bit of a sucker for a dog so yeah
1: when you say filled a hole for you at the Mm. time how, how did Myla do that what was your life like when you brought Myla home
0: I was just moved back from Queensland at the time I'd been through a I'll say a gnarly breakup. It was, it was a nasty breakup. It was, it was a three year relationship where it was probably the best thing that was happening in my life at the time through my apprenticeship as a, as an electrician as well. Coming back over to Perth, I was very unsure as to why I actually came back. I questioned it every single day. I struggled to find work struggled to find motivation. Um, I was sort of living out in the sticks of Perth, 100 miles from anywhere. I had friends and family here that, some friends I hadn't seen in 10 years, some family I hadn't seen in two or three. Even my closest family, I haven't really, hadn't really spent that much time with. Myla, you know, that was it you've got a mate there with you and that's that's what i didn't have for a long time um when i moved back to perth i didn't have that so
1: so you have mila and then you have a work accident
0: i have i have mila for two years already so i was um 2012 so mila would have been all of one and a half two years old so I had a work accident, a, a pretty pretty bad one actually. had a had second, third degree and superficial burns to I think it was something like fifty two percent of my body. The impact on that for Milo was, um, I think it was really tough for her. Actually, I think it was first month or two would have been extremely extremely tough for her in the sense that I literally just couldn't even leave the house. So, therefore, she wasn't getting walked. It took me two years to recover from a work accident. What happened in those two years, though, is what was very special for me. There it was, it was a lot of recovery, but there was a lot of self. I had to find myself again a little bit. And I think with Myla, she she got to kind of be her own dog no she wasn't told what to do when to do it she was very well we we call her free-range pup you know she's a free-range pup I love that (laughs) (laughs) yeah she was she was she she would go off with people that were mates because I couldn't leave the house so the, the amount of people that got involved in my life um they were all there to help not only me, but Myla because of how awesome she was as a dog. You know, she's, she was a people dog. She, she wasn't a, she didn't go up to other dogs in the park and sniff around them. She actually would, she, she would run up to the owners of other dogs and ask for a pat sort of thing. And that was how she was. So a lot of that story of me going through something traumatic actually was the making of, of what Myla was.
1: Financially it would have been incredibly difficult on you. How did you take care of Myla through that time?
0: Yeah, we, um, we, we got to the point where we couldn't stay renting where we were at one point and we did get evicted. I, I didn't want to go back to my career. I'd, didn't want to be an electrician anymore you could imagine a, a switchboard blowing up on you and injuring you so badly that you're in hospital with uh I don't want to get gory but the fact of the matter was that I had a lot of damage on me <laughs> I was I was damaged Myla struggled through it because we or well, and the fact that we hadn't didn't have any money coming in I think we had I think we had about a year worth of um, workers' compensation, right? So we're living off a minimum wage that we sort of put towards rent, had to get people to move into the house as well, had to fill in rooms, which meant that we had a lot of people coming and going over that year. We probably had four or five different tenants come through that rental. And, and that, that alone, you know the trauma that that puts under, that puts Myla under already just there with that. The financial side was that we basically, either I ate or she ate. It got to the point where it was this Myla ate um, a lot of the time. Only due to the fact that even though I had people around me that were close saying, you got to give her up. I refused to because I, I always thought If I didn't have Myla that this, it's not worth going on with really. I was happy to feed her before I ate.
1: So Luke, what happened next? I understand you had to move out of that rental. What happened with you and Myla?
0: We did have to leave. We, um, loaded up the old Jag. Myla was well accustomed to the front seat of that old, that old beastie car that I used to own. uh, Sort of went hand in hand with Myla. Um, but we did load up the car. We got out of there. I struggled to find somewhere else to live, to be honest with you. But I did have a very good friend of whom I did a lot of work for, um, who was a sparky, actually. And that's um, obviously what my profession is. I was a little bit reluctant. Um, I actually... I actually ended up doing a little bit of work for him just to pay rent, basically. But um, having said that, um, the Stommels, I'll, I'll put that name out there because they are absolute angels. Um, they did save me. Not only did they put a roof over my head, but they, they did um, all they could to... I I earned it. I went went and worked for him to pay some rent. I did the bare minimum and I also did a little bit of work around his house, but he let me stay in his his old rental um, rent-free for near on six to eight months. Even to this day, I still get shivers just to even think that somebody's that generous to be able to just let you live in a house that they're no longer renting and also leave it off the market before, you know, I had something else good to go to. I mean, Myla enjoyed it because there's a huge yard in the back. You know, we moved out into the suburbs. She loved it. She thought it was the best thing ever, you know. You throw the ball around, you know. You could could throw a ball 40 metres from fence to fence. Um, We didn't have to spend money on fuel to get her to the beach to take her where she wanted to go. For my mental health, it actually helped me get myself back in a in a headspace where I was getting fit again um I met a lot of good people down that way as well we um moved to the south of the river that was a massive turning point in um in my life because that um it really did it set me up for everything that I am today.
1: when did you meet alex
0: uh I met Alex. 2015. In, um, It was a, exactly a month after her 30th birthday. We met each other at The Saint, a little pub in Inaloo there. Life with Alex after that moment has been really eventful.
1: So how did Alex take to Milo? Um,
0: it was kind of like having a, a stepdaughter, I think, for her. They um they had an indifferent relationship to begin with. The thing there was a a time where Alex copped a headbutt from Myla over um from a little bit of overexcitedness, and that didn't actually um end too well for Alex. She a few years after our first child, I'll just skip ahead a little bit for a minute. She actually had to have an operation on a on a polyp that developed from a headbutt from Myla. So. It was indifferent in the sense that it was a love-hate-hate-love relationship between them. But Alex is also a massive dog lover. So she saw something in Myla that maybe I neglected. Like a a need for that feminine touch and love and, you know, who's going to wrap me up in my blanket sort of thing, you know. And... Myla enjoyed the cuddles on the on the bed and the um you know even if she was sleeping outside that night she had to be tucked in I guess I failed to to do that at some sense throughout Myla's life but there was a lot of times there where we did cuddle in bed probably more for my own sake than Myla's and I think when Alex came into that um that relationship Alex and Myla's relationship on a on a whole was actually quite amazing. It was a, it was a very wholesome with Myla and Alex. It was, um, me looking in on another little part of what Myla can bring to somebody's, um, day-to-day life. It wasn't long before me and Alex lived together. I mean, we're talking three months, but even when we weren't living together, she was around a lot and just that tail wag, you know, like that, um, the whole bum that shuffles at the back with the double legs, you know, that was, that was that, you know, they like each other. So it's okay. Bum wiggle. Yeah. The bum wiggle. There you go. It was, um, it kind of made me grow feelings for Alex, like more than maybe if I didn't have Myla, because I think Myla knew the type of person Alex was before I knew the type of person Alex was. So, Myla made that decision for me very quickly with Alex and I'll forever be grateful for that.
1: Fast forward a little bit in time. Yeah. Alex is pregnant with then to be a daughter. Yeah. And then Eliza's born.
0: Yeah. Eliza's birth was it was actually like the most amazing thing ever. Like Eliza was born and we, yeah, it was a long time in the hospital. We we got a um we got her home, back to the in-laws' house. Actually, we got to spend some quality time with the in-laws. The family we were around. Everything was um beautiful. Baby, healthy, big, plump, rosy cheeks. Feeding. We hadn't met Milo yet. Milo was still. Well, she was being looked after by the in-laws, but we actually we kept her away for as long as possible. We, she's a boy. She's a boisterous dog. She, she would run around and jump up on people to say hello. Myla and Eliza met. I don't really remember the exact time because I think maybe I was in La La Land still over how awesome Eliza was, but I remember Myla would go up and sniff and Alex was like, no, no, don't, you know, stay away just really gentle, um, just, just mothering Eliza, um, as, as she should, she did a really great job and, and, and is due to what type of dog Myla was. She was, she was very boisterous and inquisitive and sniffing around. Obviously it was going to be a hard task having a dog and a newborn in a house.
1: As time goes on. Tell me about the relationship between Eliza and Myla and how did that develop?
0: Yeah, they, they were like just best mates. They, <laughs> Eliza's little giggle, like she would crawl over onto Myla's bed and you hear the little growl, but Myla's growl is just a little, little cheeky warning or like a play warning, you know, like don't come on my bed, I'll come on your bed and they, you know, Myla would sit on her, Pulled her ears. Milo was just so content with the whole idea of just, all right, this is just a new family member. Chuck her in the pram and um, attach Myla onto the pram with the lead and, you know, <laughs> go a little bit faster. And they had a great relationship. And I think, I think Alex knew that as well. And it was just a nice, well rounded relationship. Um, two parents with one child and a dog sort of family. And things that you do catch hold of, uh, how many photos you take when you've only got one child and, and a dog, you know, you, you can capture everything. The feeling that you get when you have, a, a, a young child that has a quite a mature dog now, uh, we have to remember that she was like five or six, uh, Milo was, um, and. And she was just so gentle with, with Eliza, you know, like she was, she'd stand there and just, and just stand on all four paws while Eliza was learning how to walk. And she'd literally like hold onto her back here and there just to keep herself upright. That, those little moments that you just sort of go, okay, Myla knows what's going on here. She's not, not a, not a silly dog. Um, and she was very careful with, with Eliza as well. And Myla and Eliza's relationship. I mean, Eliza is now almost five years old and she still speaks about Myla like it was yesterday. So she was brought up with, with the dog in the house, which is incredible. And that and it brings up some really raw emotion. I mean, there's some raw emotion there on that.
1: So fast forward 20 months and... You guys are now pregnant with Ollie.
0: Yeah. Ollie, little Ollie. Thanks a lot, mate. Thanks for coming into the world. But Alex was going really well. We went through what every other um, couple went through with the the first child, you know. We're both in our early 30s, um, doing well with our careers now. And we... We were ready to sort of just get on with life at this point in time, you know. Eliza's about yeah, like you said, twenty what, twenty to twenty two months old. We're looking at not much time to spend with your newborn, firstborn child when you're um. When you're trying to get things moving, like we um, you know, like I was working for for a company, a robotics company at the time and started getting leadership roles and all these awesome little things were coming up and Alex was talking about going back to work and, you know, the the, the headspace we were in was the right headspace. We'll say it's the right headspace for the typical Australian young adult um, that's just had their first child. I mean, Alex was happy... Eliza was happy, Myla was happy, and I was doing great things um, to support a family as well. Um, I was definitely getting myself up to that, that speed. Ollie put a bit of a halt on a fair few things. Alex not obviously being able to go back to work was a massive thing. What I sort of looked towards was supporting her in every way I could. Financially, mostly, I think emotionally, I was definitely detached. In a sense, I, I was looking. I wasn't looking far enough into the future on um, what was going to happen, you know, down the track, um, financially. And I've been there before with Mila. I should have. I, I should have taken that as a le- as a lesson. And I'd, but I also remember that my circumstances had changed a lot. From that sense, my career was shooting off. And again, I say it like my career, but obviously Alex was still at home um, with the news that we we're going to have a second child within within 22 months, you know, and that was something that I managed to get away from day to day because I got to go to work and, and leave the house and leave the dog there. My support network, as in myself, I, I wasn't there for them at those early early stages of um of Alex's second pregnancy so i think in that sense i think um in regards to where myla was at as well um things just got harder and harder and harder they it's kind of like groundhog day you know, wake up she's another day pregnant Eliza gets harder because she's walking, she's eating, just starting to eat solids. You know, you you're trying to, and you, you're a first time parent as well. You you're trying to learn how to do all these parenting things, these things that no one tells you about, that you got to learn. And I wasn't learning for myself. I wasn't reading anything about how to. I, I learned from my parents. I learned from my mum. I went through. I went through a. A childhood where there was i was the oldest of five kids you know like if one of my brothers or sisters woke up before my parents did i was the one in the morning feeding the other three or four kids breakfast um i was the one staying at home with the kids to look after them completely different times but that that was the childhood that i was brought up in you know and you got to remember to feed the dog as well don't forget to feed the dog so I think my disconnect from what Alex needed played into the um, the struggles that she was about to, to behold. And, yeah, the struggles were real. Very, very real, very raw.
1: Tell me about the times after Ollie was born.
0: Yeah, I, I think... Um, I think myself, I learned a lot from the first birth with Eliza. So I think I was a little bit more supportive with Alex um, the second time around. I like to think so. Anyway, I think I was more with it. Eliza was at like such a beautiful age. She was just this little cute, little puffy-cheeked, you know, walking around with a big romper suit with a bag over her back ready to go to the grandparents because she didn't even know that her little baby brother was about to be coming home with us. And I remember just, I was at home for about a day with Eliza, just me and her and, and Mila. Took Myla for a walk down the park and we are just talking about, oh, you know, like, mum's going to have another baby. You know, you're talking to a 20-month-old kid only learnt how to walk, you know, six months ago, and starting to have a couple of words, and you going through all these emotions, and I didn't really think too much about it. it as Ollie was born, it was it was joyous, it was beautiful, like it was it was actually quite, from my memory of it, possibly not as much of a connection as I had with Eliza, but just a sight we we didn't know what we are having we didn't know if we we're having a girl or a boy or anything like that we we went home you know and it was just very still it, the the air was a bit still and stiff and it wasn't the same feeling as when you have your first kid everything everyone wants to see the baby and and everything rolls on and you know myla Milo. i remember myla just saying Ollie and just going not another one but you could just say See what she was like she's just not another not another one you know um even eliza was like what is this you know is that a a a toy like a dolly yeah it was it was nice it was it was nice for those few moments those those early on moments and then things got a little bit not so nice i'd say yeah
1: when you say not so nice What happened after?
0: Life just became a bit of a blur. Everything's in the... Ollie's three now, coming up to three. From his birth, things have happened so quickly. So Ollie had been about eight months to a year old. And when you get text messages every day and you're trying to build a career... To bring in, obviously, you're bringing in money. You're doing the right thing because you've also created this—not a mess. You've created this life for yourself and for your family, but you've also got to provide for it. So you sit there and you 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 get into a zone, almost like a, a shark. You know when they're about to bite something, the eyes roll back in the head, and you focus on that one thing. I should have been focusing on two, three, four different things at the same time. And it was, it was very, very, very tough. It was, I I couldn't comprehend having to make the money, make sure the first kid's happy, make sure I could walk the dog, you know, go fuel the cars up, go buy the, the groceries, forget something. Um... The fights start. You don't want to be wrong because you know how hard you're working to um to provide for those three or four things, three other things in your family that are the most important things to you in your whole life because you know how much they've given to you, and you know that the <laughs> the one thing that you have to make sure that you um, focus on the most. Unfortunately, in this day and age, is your job because that's the thing that's going to feed you. And I think that was represented earlier on in the story when I didn't have the money to even feed myself yet. Yeah, the, the most important thing is to make money to feed your family. If you put it in a perspective, I think the these, these last three four five years with with having kids have been some of the best years of my life but um having said that it's definitely challenging so you know you can't take it lightly it's it's uh it's a huge responsibility to have children it's an even bigger responsibility to have children with a dog it, it's it, it takes a, a massive toll on the family you start feeling guilt for anything around your dog it's worse than anything else
1: how was the effect on myla and your family unit
0: yeah, the effect the, the effect on myla was it was substantial um, it became to, uh, you know she is an energetic dog she she wanted she required two walks a day there was there's no doubt about it she was um not getting that I was busy at work, come home, tired, you know, sometimes going away for work. I was traveling a lot as well. Um, even when, before I became the boss of my department, I, I was, um, out there on the field. I was, I was working Queensland, um, Groot Island, Northern Territory. I was, I was doing install jobs for the company I work for now. I left my family to go on to make this money, you know. I wasn't getting paid much to just be in Perth as as a Sparky. Had to get out there and make that extra money by going to sites. And that, to to Alex's crowd, I don't know how the hell she did it, but she was looking after a newborn. Well, she was pregnant with with her second one when I was going away a lot. Eliza was running around and Mila needed a walk every two hours. So I don't know how she did it, but holy crap, like I was off working. It was kind of an escape for me. Like I put my hand up for it, make the money. It was an escape. I could, I could get my head right to come home, but geez, I miss them all.
1: Mentally, how were you going?
0: First week half. um as soon as you jump on the plane you you miss your family seven weeks down the track when you know you're coming home you kind of just get excited like you're just really looking forward to getting there i think mentally i was in a better state then than what i was let's say a year ago or even more recently i think at that time, it wasn't really been known to me of what Alex was going through. We this has been a gradual. It's been such a gradual sort of thing with Alex, like um her mental health and her state. Uh, I've I've had support from my company that I work for to allow her to take time away, and for me to be at home to look after Eliza while she goes into you know, she's been into like Glengarry Hospital and she's done, you know, sleep therapy for Ollie because he wouldn't sleep and she was up every night and I struggled to get up to the kids. Like if I sleep, I'm asleep, you know, and that's not helpful. I think my mental state leaving the family was that I was doing something good for the family. I think in my head, I'm doing this for my family so that made me happy but I don't think I was sensitive to the the way that Alex felt about it I think she was she's quick to put her hand up and say that's you know she's a really tough woman she she's uh hands down probably the toughest woman I've ever met in my my entire life
1: Luke what happened to Mila
0: yeah Mila we couldn't um, facilitate a place for her in our family any longer. We, we, we struggled to be able to give her the life that she deserved. Um, families are hard, like kids, kids and going through things outside of just walking your dog in the afternoon, um, they become impossible. People that are going through these sorts of things can't put anything before themselves than themselves you can't um you shouldn't be you shouldn't be feeling feeling guilty for not being able to take your dog for a walk it it's not natural to to be a um to be in a position where you can't like come home from work and just simply drop everything and go and take your dog out or do what you used to do. You can't just throw her in the old jag and, and drive down to the beach um, in the afternoon and watch the sunset, you know? You can't do that anymore. That those All these things go out the door. Um, you know, in, in the best times of Myla's life, uh, we had to give her up. The, there's nothing... We, we discussed this over a year and a half... that it was too tough. Myla was a massive part of a lot of angst and anxiety um, around how our family was and the things, the mental health and everything that was going on in our family at the time. Two young children. Alex was struggling. I was off everywhere (laughs) doing what I had to do to make an income. I barely even saw Myla anymore. And, you know, even if, even when I did, she was told to leave the room, told to get on her bed, told to go downstairs. You know, it, it was, it became very, it was heartbreaking. Um, we had to sound out a not-for-profit company um, called Heart. They, um, they were amazing actually. They spoke to me in person. They made sure that what the decision we were making was the right decision for us. And we didn't even know. We didn't even know if it was the right decision. We probably still don't. I I don't I'm not sure. I think it was. But the one thing that keeps me going every day is just um knowing or or wanting to know or believe that she is having the life that she deserves to have at, in her older age I know she would be around the 10 11 year mark now she's probably a dog that would live to 12 13 she I, I don't know I it was a I'll just say that it was a really long thought-out process. It wasn't something we just went one week and went, we can't have her anymore. We we probably did it. We overdid it by about a year, I reckon, because at the end of the day, she deserved more than what we were giving her. And this company, you know, the hardest thing for me was um, they give you a form. They give you a form and it says that you basically dispossessing your dog and it's a legally binding thing you know you you don't get to it's kind of like giving up you know custody of your children in a sense you know you don't you don't see them you don't get to pat them anymore They're, they're moved away from you you sign that form and that's basically just handing them over for them to foster them out so but the company was brilliant like the people that came around you know i remember the day we we had to pass her up i'd uh, i was yeah bundled up on the floor and alex was upset as well and i don't think uh, even now you, you go back and you think about all the old times and you talk about this and you know speaking with you john and you, you do, um, you wonder what she's up to, you know, she's like an old friend now, you, you've, she was my daughter, so to speak, and I took her from a very young age at you know, seven weeks old, you know, and she's no longer in our family, so, yeah, it's tough, um, think uh yeah I reckon there's probably three or four days in a row where Eliza will bring her up you know I miss Myla I miss Myla but we um we just have to stand by the idea that we've done the right thing I, I think a lot of families out there if you're um if you feel guilty giving up a, a dog for the sake of your family and Um, just try and remember that you have to put the dog first in that sense. I think you have to, you have to understand, like, don't just, don't just hand it into a, a pound or something. Try and and do the research and find someone that will actually foster, um, if you can't do it privately privately. Find, find an organisation like we did. We, we spent a year. We, we did it tough for a year with Mylon. We, we gave her the best we could for a year. Um, we fed her all the best things. We've, we walked her everywhere we could walk her. We took her to the beach. But with Alex's mental health and her state after having two children close together, it was just it was, it was way too tough for us.
1: What's life like
0: now, mate? Life now, it's, 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 um, I think we're like a normal family. I think we've, (laughs) we've gone over a massive hurdle. We've, we've taken on like, you know, Ollie's getting to that three-year-old age and we're dealing with kids and to be fair, um, and to be, really insensitive to the whole thing it's been a lot easier without Myla um I'll put that out there it's really important to to not understate that you know at the end of the day um without Myla it's been easier because we know it's this one thing we we got to take off our plate and that's why we took the time to really find the right place for her to go you know and the right people to take her away from us and and do what they had to do is ripping the band-aid off we still have our moments alex is still going through a lot of um post-natal depression and um there's a lot of things that are just every day things that don't really gel and you know and we but we You know, Alex is working now. I've stepped up again in my role. We focus a lot on our family as in the kids and what we can do better for them and I think it's just important and what we do when we're at parks is we actually you know Eliza loves dogs. Like she'll go up. Life is certainly better yeah things have come full circle you know like it's um yeah still miss Mila like there, there's moments there where you sit there and you're like geez i wouldn't mind just having Mila sit next to me while i have a beer this afternoon and um they're the moments that i do miss a lot you know and, and it's yeah
1: luke thank you so much for coming and sharing your journey
0: thanks John I really appreciate that I hope it helps people out there in the community just to think that um, you know dogs are important in families and they're also important to make sure you do the right thing by them and make the right choices as well so no, I appreciate you having me on board It's, it's been really nice